to the David Glenn Show. Tim Brando of Fox Sports a little bit later. College football and otherwise. Bob Ryan, the Hall of Famer from the Boston Globe and ESPN, is going to join us as well. You can jump in with your question or comment. It is a special day. The NBA regular season takes off tonight with a doubleheader. Pelicans at Raptors. Just remember, Zion Williamson is out for six to eight weeks with a knee injury, the number one overall pick out of Duke for the Pelicans. Also remember that whereas the Toronto Raptors are your NBA champion from last year, that does not mean that they are a serious contender this year with Kawhi Leonard now with those L.A. Clippers. Speaking of the Clippers, Kawhi will be on the court for, those, for that L.A. team as LeBron, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers take on the Clippers who have Paul George on the roster. He will not play tonight, but that's your TNT doubleheader as we look forward to the opening of the NBA season. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball offers its fall classic starting tonight. It'll be the Washington Nationals at the Houston Astros. Great pitching matchup. Great starting pitching rotations. Max Scherzer, the multiple-time Cy Young Award winner, against Garrett Cole, who is 19-0 in his last 25 starts for the Houston Astros. The national starters win an average of almost seven innings in their sweep of St. Louis. So it's like a throwback to the days when starting pitchers were asked to go deeper into games, postseason, and otherwise. So we have the NFL, Patriots and 49ers still undefeated, the return of the NBA, the debut of the Fall Classic, and a lot of college football on our mind as well. One of the only guests that we jump from sport to sport with. He is a Hall of Famer from the Boston Globe and ESPN's Around the Horn. Also remember, the Sports Reporters is still alive as a podcast. Bob Ryan, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good, David. Thank you very much. It's good to have you back. The Patriots killed the Jets last night. And more important than, more interesting to me than the play on the field was what Adam Schefter of ESPN said about Tom Brady afterward. You're right there in New England. When he talks about the voided contract at the end of this year and he sold his house and his, his trainer sold his house and he sees Tom Brady somehow setting the stage to play elsewhere after this season, what's your reaction to that? It's not totally stunning because we did wonder what was the um, implication of the house sale and the fact that uh, he's operating on this year-to-year basis and doesn't seem to be uh, put off by it. And the fact, not fact, and the apparent casual, I don't know, I'm trying to find the right description. Not frosty, not casual, not but just business relationship that he has with Bill Belichick. Um, you know, I, I, we're wondering if when it's all said and done, we'll, we'll, we'll get a, um, a Tom dishing about what he really thinks about Bill the person uh, as opposed to Bill the coach. I'm just throwing this out there, David. I don't yeah. know. But there was enough uncertainty about the way Tom has acted in the last year or so that, that it is not beyond the realm of possibility that he would want to go somewhere and uh, uh, else and, and which would be obviously a, a shock in, to the nervous system of, of New England sports fans uh, and, and it just would seem like it's just not right you know somehow uh, given the, the longevity he's had here <laughs> but you have to understand uh, he is different in a lot of ways the diet thing the lifestyle thing the, um, he, he is very much an individual uh, not thinking along with, with, with everybody else so I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be personally as a fan and uh, disappointed. I, I think a guy like this should, given that he's gone this far, should spend the rest of his career in one place. 
Meanwhile, there is another Super Bowl to pursue before we cross that bridge, and the Patriots crushed the Jets, and the Patriots are undefeated again. You've seen a whole lot of great football over the last 20 yeah. years and a lot of Super Bowl titles. I mean, we're not even sure who the best team is in the NFC. We're not even sure if you know Patrick Mahomes is going to bounce back the right way to help the Chiefs challenge the Patriots in the AFC. How do you describe the gap right now? I mean, are the, are the Patriots, you know, uh, ahead or shoulders above the rest well, of this league, me, the way they're playing defense? Well, not the league. I think the NFC's got some threats. But in, in the AFC, who, tell me who's number two, who's one. Who, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, based on what we saw on Sunday and what we've seen over, uh, it might be the Colts. You know, but given given the Mahomes situation, we all felt it was in Kansas City, even with their, their known defensive problems. But... Um, uh, maybe it's, maybe it is the Colts. Uh, don't you, you can't take Houston serious uh, against the Patriots. Bill O'Brien cannot beat Belichick. Period. And and that that that's just not going to happen. So, but the team that uh, might Frankfurt uh, a different thing in Frankfurt. And uh, uh, so um, I'm I'm thinking it may be the Colts who are next up uh, this year. Um, I, but the schedule, David. When we saw the schedule come out, it's a and you know what they had, even with the, the issues that they had, you know, the, the, who's going to be wide receiver? Uh, can they replace the lost uh, people from the offensive line? Um, it was a 14-2 and two schedule waiting to happen. Yeah. It is. It remains a 14-2 and two schedule for a team of their caliber uh, waiting to happen. I, I looked at the schedule and said they're going to be 8-0 before they play the Ravens. That is exactly what they're going to be. They're going to be 8-0 before they play the Ravens, thinking that the Ravens would be the first legitimate opponent, and it looks like that's going to be the case. Um, no one foresaw the defense being this good. This is one of their two best defenses ever. The best defense prior to this uh, was the year when they uh, were 14 and 2, and they had the likes of uh, the 04, and they had the right likes of uh, Teddy Bruschi and McGinnis and Rodney Harrison and, and Brabel and so on and so forth. They were a great, great defense that year, and this is their best one since then, uh, for sure. But everything in context of sports, as you know, and I don't know how good they really are based on the caliber of opposition. And last night was last night more about the Patriots or about the Jets. I frankly think it was more about the Jets, who, who flopped. Uh, Donald was, was was humiliated, embarrassed, exposed. Uh, I bought into the hype. I thought it was going to be a good game, and I bought into the hype because I thought Donald, you know, was was going to give him some trouble. Ha! Yeah. Yeah, I felt the same way. Bob Ryan is joining us, the Hall of Famer from the Boston Globe and ESPN. On Twitter, you can follow him at GlobeBobRyan. As the NFL has a long way to go, the NBA is just getting started and Major League Baseball is coming down the stretch. Let's go to baseball. The most recent example of a team favored to win the World Series by this wide a margin was actually the Boston Red Sox more than a decade ago when they played Colorado uh, in the World Series. Houston is that big a favorite over the Washington Nationals, and yet that city is, you know, hoping for its first World Series title in 95 years. So you know the Nationals will be jacked up when it gets back to Washington. Do you see the Astros as that much better than the Nationals that we couldn't see, you know, history being made by the Nats here? The answer is no, and here's the reason. Consider what odds-making is. Odds-making is Las Vegas' opinion of our fan perception, okay? Yes. They are predicting how the fans are going to react to this. They're going to set a line that will try to get that in on both sides by, by anticipating what they think the public thinks, okay? Yep. And, and that, that, that's the, it is, and, and that being the case, I think it's crazy. 
I don't see how any rational person looking at the pitching possibilities presented by the Washington Nationals with the best four-man rotation in baseball, not just two, the first two, but then you go to Corbin, you go to Sanchez. I, their number four starter, quote-unquote, is a man who was twice taking no-hitters into the seventh inning of a playoff game as, mm. and the second one as recently as two weeks ago. Right. And, and the, yes, the Rastos overall have a more sexier lineup. I agree, overall. But the Nationals are not impotent. And, by the way, uh, the, the Astros had an abysmal offensive series. They're not hitting at all. They got by on the basis of their pitching and a couple of timely hits. But not overall, they're not hitting. And if they continue to hit that way, <laughs> they're not going to hit these Washington pitchers. So I think that the, uh, the uh, overwhelming favorite status is ridiculous. I think I predicted. I mean, I think the Astros will win, but I don't think it will take any fewer than six games. I think it'll be a wonderful series. Jump into the NBA. We have a game we play that on the opening day of the season, <laughs> we pick five teams, and if one of those five ends up winning the NBA title, we call it a win. And it's kind of designed <laughs> to re- reflect the predictability of the NBA, you know, dating all the way back to when, you know, you'd slot Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls as one of those five, you know, every year in the 90s, and they ended up winning six of those. Do you remember a year like this, or how infrequent is it? I don't think anybody's confident in their pick in the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference, and we're not sure where to go with our preseason top five because the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Bucks are getting the most votes from our audience, but you know, it's not like anything feels like a sure thing the way slotting LeBron's Cavs or Heat or the Golden State Warriors at least making the NBA Finals seemed an easy thing over the last decade or so. The NBA history, going back to 1946, was one of, of many tyranny. Sometimes it's, it's, it's extensive, such as the Celtics in the 50s and 60s, uh, and then later, uh, you know, the Lakers overall, uh, and, and, and the, the Bulls and the Jordan era, uh, the Pistons for a short period of time, and the Warriors, who, despite the fact that they did not win the championship, are, are the dominant team of this recent era. Um, and, and this is different. You are so right. Uh, there is no, uh, there's nothing certain. It's, it's deliciously and delightfully wide open for at least a half a dozen teams that, uh, that you would not be shocked that they were to be, uh, you know, parading around in, in uh, June. Uh, having won the championship. This is the most interesting wide open year I can remember. I don't, uh, uh, you probably have to go back to the late 70s uh, to find a time. There was a stretch from 1977 uh, to 79 when, when uh, the Trailblazers won, then the Washington Bullets, who now the Wizards won, and then the Sonics won. And, and none of the three have repeated, have come back in one since, which is very interesting. And, uh, uh, and then the Lakers took over, and the decade was totally dominated by four teams, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Pistons, and the 76ers. Not going to go for the 90s. Okay, there was that little Jordan era. Season one gone. No, your premise is correct. And I think it makes for a very, very interesting season. I just think it got off to a horrible uh, opening, however, with this, the news about Zion Williamson. Yeah. I don't ever remember a rookie, including the last rookie who came in with this kind of a hype was LeBron. And, and, um, and yet LeBron did not have the personality factor and the, and the, the, the off-the-court attraction at that time right. that Zion comes with. There's nobody, I've been watching this league up close and personal you know, since 69, and I've been following it since I arrived in Boston in 64 as a fan, and, and he's, he's different. There's, I, there have been great, great rookies, uh, but 
you know, I saw them all come along, whether it was uh, Oscar or whether it was Woodrow West or whether it was uh, Kareem or Whip or, or whoever. But this guy's total package is different and he's going to be missed. Well said. Bob Ryan, thanks for squeezing us in today. It's always great to hear your versatility on the air. You know we'll be knocking on your door again soon. Terrific. You got it. On Twitter at Globe Bob Ryan, the Boston Globe, ESPN, Around the Horn, the sports reporters, and otherwise. Tim Brando, one of our favorites on college sports, will drop by in about 15 minutes or so. There's more time for your phone calls. We have not sealed our pick five for the NBA yet. The Lakers, the Clippers, and the Bucks are the consensus. They are all going to make our pick five. That leaves two more spots, and we're getting votes for the Golden State Warriors, even though KD is gone, even though Klay Thompson may not return this year. They still have Steph. They still have Draymond. They still have others. But you can't look at the Warriors the same way. I'm, I'm leaning against putting them in my top five. The Rockets, the Jazz, the Nuggets out west join the Lakers and Clippers as vote-getters. The Sixers, the Celtics, and others join the Bucks in the east as vote-getters. We only have room for five. You can chime in with your pick five, if you will, as we celebrate the start of the NBA's regular season, game one of the World Series tonight, and the ongoing NFL and college football regular seasons. More on the latter with Tim Brando later this hour. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. You can be next by dialing those numbers. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Boo You and Agriculture You. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Tim Brando of Fox Sports is going to drop by on college football, maybe a little college hoops as well. You can drop by right now by dialing 1-800-849-2761. We are coming at you live on our syndicated, unprecedented statewide platform in almost 300 North Carolina cities and towns. Kyle Bush, NASCAR star. Bob Ryan, Hall of Fame sports columnist. Already in the books, Tim Brando is on the way. You can join us on NBA's opening night on Major League Baseball opening its fall classic starting tonight. The Washington Nationals visiting the Houston Astros. Your questions, comments, and complaints are all welcome. We're also talking NFL and college football, 1-800-849-2761. The college football question of the day is, would you be okay with barely scraping into a middling bowl? It's a reflection of expectations and the way these things vary from fan base to fan base. Three schools with first-year coaches, Louisville, UNC, and ECU, are mostly saying, even their fans, of course, are all over the place, but the majority are saying, yeah, getting into a bowl, even 6-6 six and six would be okay by us. Other teams with deeper traditions on the gridiron, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Miami, they're all projected to finish around 6-6. Six and six. And at those schools, that's not good enough. When a, a coach has been around longer, that's typically not viewed as good enough. You can chime in on that question of the day if you like at 1-800-849-2761. Today also, also happens to be the one and only day that we do our annual NBA Pick 5 Challenge. If you've been a part of our radio show for any portion of the last two decades at this point, you know that probably in that two decades, I think we're 17-3. and three. We pick five teams on opening day 
And if one of those five wins it all, we count it as a victory. If the winner, the NBA champion next summer, comes from outside the five we pick, we call it a loss. So over 30 years, we're 26 and four. It's designed to reflect the higher level of predictability in the NBA, even way back in the preseason here, compared to, say, as Bob Ryan suggested, the lower level of predictability in Major League Baseball. And that's not only for a season. That can happen even within a series. The NBA's final two teams, the, the favored team usually wins, and I mean by a lot. In Major League Baseball tonight, you know, Bob Ryan explained how Las Vegas lines work. If you just crunch the numbers, throw out Vegas, try, and he's, he's, of course, correct. When you see a team favored in the eyes of Vegas, they're drawing lines to maximize the amount of money bet. So they're, yes, it is partly who they think is good or not, but it's also reflecting some brand names attract a lot of money, and they're going to set the line differently because of that. Some no-name programs might be pretty good, but the line is designed, again, to reflect maximum revenue, maximum profit, etc. Major League Baseball has its biggest favorite in the World Series in more than a decade, but it's in part because the Houston Astros have become common knowledge because three straight years, they won it all two years ago, were good again last year, and had 107 wins this year, they're well-known in the baseball fans' vernacular. Meanwhile, the Washington Nationals have never even been to a World Series. And whereas you might know some of their players' names, and if you're diehard, a lot of their players' names, great starting pitching, for example, Bryce Harper's gone, and he was the number one most recognizable figure in that franchise. Numbers-wise, 538.com, my favorite sub-site, from ESPN, just crunches numbers, pure objectivity. It's nothing subjective about it. Your brand name doesn't matter. They say that the Astros are favored. They match Vegas in that way. Astros, again, in the eyes of Vegas, the biggest favorite in 12 years in the World Series. But when you crunch the numbers, it's a 60-40 favorite. They say that the Nationals have a 40% chance of winning the World Series. That's not exactly a wild underdog. You're the slight favorite. Houston had 107 wins. Houston, if needed, gets to host four of the seven World Series games. Houston throws Garrett Cole tonight, who has not lost a game as a starting pitcher since Moby Dick was a minnow. I mean, he's 19-0 in his last 25 starts with a 1.59 ERA. The Nationals, though, are throwing three or four starters of their own who did great things in sweeping the St. Louis Cardinals. Former NC State star Trey Turner among their stars in their regular eight, if you will. You can jump in at 1-800-849-2761. And as we come to your calls, helping us with, your, with the predictions on the NBA, who are your five picks? Lakers, Bucks, and Clippers are the consensus so far. You can tweet at us at David Glenn Show. Email us, dglenn at accsports.com. Today's the last day we're taking your input by the end of today's show. We pick our five, hoping that we don't go back-to-back and miss the eventual NBA champion. Lakers, Clippers, Bucks. If you have forgotten, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are both with the Clippers now. PG3 needs to get, or Paul George needs to get healthy, but... Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are two of the best two-way players that the NBA has to offer. They're now teammates in L.A. LeBron now has Anthony Davis on the Lakers. Giannis Antetokounmpo is, by many accounts, the best player in the NBA. So whether you like Eric Bledsoe or Chris Middleton or somebody else, 
as the other half of that dynamic duo, it's hard to overlook the Milwaukee Bucks as the favorite in the Eastern Conference. Beyond the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Bucks, where do you go? I'm getting votes for the Sixers, Celtics, Rockets, Warriors, Jazz, and Nuggets. Help us with our pick five. It's a once and only once a year excursion here at the David Glenn Show, 1-800-849-2761. As we come to your calls and look forward to Tim Brando later, I'm a big believer that one of the reasons that Major League Baseball is less predictable, either in the preseason, you know, imagine picking the World Series champion nine months in advance. It's not easy. It's still not easy. We only have two teams left, and it's not easy to pick between the Astros and the Nationals. I think Houston's the better team. I'll pick Houston to win, but it's not near the same confidence that you're usually making a pick in the NBA is that example. There is a larger luck factor in baseball than there is in basketball, and every single great player doesn't matter as much in baseball as in basketball. Getting Paul George and Kawhi Leonard has changed the face of the L.A. Clippers. You go from having none of the best two-way players in the NBA to having two, and you're in a sport, you only send five guys out there. And unlike, unlike football, where there are special teams, specialists, and there are offensive guys, 11 of them, and defensive guys, 11 different dudes, in the NBA, it's five guys. And they all have to play offense, and they all have to play defense. And yes, you can substitute, but those five guys are going to be on the court at the end of a close game. And they're going to be on the court playing both ways to start a game against a quality opponent. The Clippers in that image, have a pretty tough five. The Lakers, with Anthony Davis joining LeBron James, Danny Green being acquired, other assistants as well, Kyle Kuzma, another quality returnee, that is championship caliber potentially. In baseball, Max Scherzer is a multi-time Cy Young Award winner. But Max Scherzer, after pitching tonight, well, poorly, or in between, is not going to be heard from again in all likelihood until game five, right? So he's a phenomenal player, Garrett Cole of the Astros as well. Whereas Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James, assuming good health, are going to be a part of nowadays maybe not all 80-plus games because of the whole load management stuff, but they'll be there when you need them. Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer, whatever they do tonight in game one, and that's about as good a pitching matchup as you can ask for in game one of the fall classic, they're not going to be heard from again for three full games. An everyday player in the lineup obviously is a bigger factor, but he still has to wait his turn, right? LeBron and Kawhi don't have to wait their turn. Jose Altuve has to wait his turn as a Mr. October candidate for the Houston Astros. Maybe you have a great glove and you're a big bat. And you're helping on both sides, like the two-way players, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard with the Clippers. Baseball's individual player impact is lower, player by player. The NBA's individual player impact is much higher, player by player. And however you would describe the luck factor in basketball, of course, there's luck in everything in life. Some people describe luck. I actually like this definition better. Some people describe luck as what happens with those things beyond the control of anybody you can see. In other words, it's out of your control. It's out of your teammates' control. It's out of your manager's control. It's out of the referee's control. You know, that, that other stuff 
We're not sure how and why, but weird stuff happens. Some people define that as luck. Whatever you think the luck factor is in basketball, it's a lot lower than the luck factor in baseball. As a guy who's played it and watched it, watched it for my whole life, played it for 20 years, as we come to Brandon and Raleigh and you at 1-800-849-2761, there are not as many basketball equivalents to the bloop single to shallow left center field. I fooled the batter. I got a lousy swing out of him, but he somehow got just enough of it that it fell right between the cho- – it was a high pop-up. It's my job. I did my job. I beat the batter, but he got enough of it. Shortstop couldn't quite get out there. Left fielder couldn't quite come in fast enough, and he gets a cheap single off of me. And the next batter, maybe Max Scherzer or Garrett Cole is dominant tonight. The next batter is so badly fooled, he chops that ball into the ground. I mean, he barely touched the ball, almost missed it entirely. But rather than being a strikeout, and he missed it by an inch, he barely touched it, and he just dribbles down the third baseline. Like, it doesn't even go 12 feet from home plate. I did my job. I fooled him again. But now I've got runners on first and second and nobody out because of a bloop single to left center and a chopper down the third baseline that that guy's not playing shallow enough to catch that in the first inning, right? So now you're out there. The fans are going crazy. You're like, I just beat both of those dudes, but I've got first and second and nobody out. There is no basketball equivalent of that. I, again, I, there are luck factors in basketball. There's a luck factor in every sport. The luck factor in baseball is much higher, and it is tied directly to the unpredictability factor in baseball being much higher. The NBA, you know what, you know what impacts it most? What makes today's picks hardest? Health is number one. If we knew exactly who was going to be on which rosters, we, we can't anticipate trades, right? We don't know. We didn't know a year ago today if Kawhi was going to get back to his usual self or whether he was going to have lingering thigh issues. We didn't know. Turns out he was the best version of himself and led the Toronto Raptors to the NBA title. That's why we got that year wrong. We will not get any other years wrong, although this is a very unpredictable NBA season. Brandon, give us your picks, and then we'll turn it over to Tim Brando on college football and other things. Brandon, welcome to the David Glenn Show. What is your pick five preseason NBA lineup? Um, for one, I'm going to have to go with um, the Clippers, definitely. Yes, we've, we've um, that's almost a consensus today. Go ahead. Uh, Lakers, as bad as I'm not a LeBron fan whatsoever, the Lakers, I, yep. they honestly going to be probably more than likely in the finals. Definitely playoffs. All right. Um. The Nuggets have been looking really good. So I definitely have to put them in my They're getting box. a lot of votes, man. The only three consensus we have are Clippers, Lakers, and Bucks, and I think you have all three of those, right? Yeah, yeah, Bucks is definitely in there as well. And you um, like the Sixers. Really they're okay. Uh, they're a young team, so I feel like over the years, I think they might be doing really fine. I think they might have a chance of doing really good this year. It is hard for me to guess what my hometown team is going to look like because Jimmy Butler is gone. Former Duke star J.J. Redick is gone. Everybody knows Joel Embiid on the inside and Ben Simmons on the outside. That's one of the dynamic duo themes that we've been hitting today for the Clippers and the Rockets with Westbrook and Harden and even the Warriors once Clay Thompson gets healthy to go with Steph Curry. The Sixers have lost half of their nucleus 
So you still have Embiid. You still have Ben Simmons. Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, and a guy that I love, although he's late in his career, Al Horford. He brings leadership. He brings productivity. He brings defense. He brings unselfishness. Is Ben Simmons really going to show us that he has figured out how to shoot a basketball? I mean, seriously, at, at almost no level of basketball do you see. This has been my biggest thing with the Sixers. I'm not sure about Ben Simmons' leadership, and I'm not sure of Ben Simmons. Can you win with a guy who often has the ball in his hands and can't shoot a lick? Ben Simmons has been afraid to shoot three-pointers and afraid to shoot free throws. He's that bad in both of those very important NBA categories. He's been a train wreck. I mean, you just there are no other examples of a guy who has the ball in his hands that much and yet is afraid to shoot threes and is afraid to shoot free throws. Has his shot actually gotten better? Is he going to be a more mature version of himself? I don't know. I see the potential that you see, and thanks for calling, Brandon. Tobias Harris is new. Al Horford is new. Tobias Harris is half new. Uh, Josh Richardson is new. Did the Sixers have enough depth? I don't know. But I, I see the same teams you all see. Bucks, Sixers, and Celtics in the East. Lakers, Clippers, and then a whole bunch of others in the West. I'm just not sure that my final five just yet. Clippers, Lakers, Bucks. Yes, yes, yes. After that, Warriors, Jazz, Nuggets. We leaving the Rockets out? Going to leave the Rockets out with James Harden and Russell Westbrook and those other pieces? I don't know, man. If I get final say on this, and I guess my name's on the show, I think I'm going to put the Rockets in my final five. The Sixers or the Celtics, the Jazz or the Nuggets, I don't think I'm putting the Warriors on there, uh, especially if Klay Thompson really is out for the season. Tim Brando is one of our favorites on college sports. He has all sorts of opinions on college football. He joins us live next on the David Glenn Show. I don't want those damn Dukies rooting for us. They've hated all year long. Let them go right on hate. If the situation were reversed, I would hope they would lose by 100. You're in fantasy land if you ever think NC State's going to make it back to the national championship game. So just forget that right now. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Keeping the peace in NC on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest has a passion and plenty of knowledge to go with it for college sports. College Hoops is almost here. Preseason poll is out. College football, of course, has passed its midway point. Tim Brando recently gave out a top six all undefeated, of course, of Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Penn State in order. He calls a lot of these big games in both of those sports for Fox Sports. Tim Brando joins us now. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Wonderful, David. Good to talk to you again. And, uh, yeah, it's, it won't be long. We'll be crossing over into into hoops. I'll miss you guys in the ACC. Yeah, I know, it'll man. Be, uh, it'll be a little different, but uh, no worse for the wear. I'm, I'm opening up um, a really good one. Ohio State and Cincinnati on November the 6th will be my first basketball game. And then I've uh, – had a couple of games in the Gavit games, uh, Creighton visiting Michigan, and uh, I'm back at Ohio State for, for games on November 12th and 13th. So uh, it's time for a little crossover, and then I'll get a break, go right back to pick again until the regular season of that ends, and and then it's off to the races for, for more basketball on Fox and FS1 of the Big East and Big Ten variety. 
Before we dive into the gridiron action, I saw you retweet something that was on my radar earlier today. USA Today puts out its annual database of coaching salaries, uh, and the, the SEC now has all of its head coaches making at least $3 million per season. Uh, it was not long ago where only Bob Stoops of Oklahoma was at the $3 million a year threshold, and now there's 30-plus. With that in mind, and because the NCAA committee on the name, image, likeness stuff is due to put out its report here in the next week or so, where do you think all this stuff is going, Tim? Because everybody agrees college athletes do get a lot of value. But uh, when some see these coaches' salaries, they wonder why uh, college athletes also can't enjoy the, their free market the same way. Yeah, the name, image, and likeness thing is going to happen. It's just a question of uh, will the NCAA be wise enough to get out in front of it? They had a chance. You know, they had a chance to get out in front of it. They knew this was coming, David. And, you know, they put together a, another yet another task force made up of uh, – <laughs> athletic directors and conference commissioners and to, to study it. But, you know, that's not the way it works in today's environment. Um, that's like a bad politician saying we're going to spend 50000 on this uh, on this survey to determine if we're going to spend 200000 on what we actually need to do for the infrastructure of our downtown metropolitan area. You know, it's just dumb. Um, and, and we're seeing that more and more with regard to the NCAA and its inability to, you know, not get away from its Neanderthal operations with, with regard to, you know, the direction that, that things are going in. The only time that I can recall we saw, you know, the, the colleges move swiftly, and you'll, you'll remember this. It was uh, just when the college football playoff got underway and the cost of attendance thing was dealt with yeah. as it related to the playoffs and uh, how quickly they were able to print those tickets so that, the families of the kids playing in the national championship could get to the location of the national title game. You know, when, it, when they want to, they'll move quickly. But it's just they, they, they go kicking and screaming because they generally don't want to do things to get into the 21st century. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not as far, uh, uh, you know, into the amateurism thing and, and, and uh, the pay-for-play the pay for play. Uh, mentality is, is some of my colleagues like a Jay Billis. Uh, but I also support Jay and in, in much of what he's saying in principle. And the inability for Mark Emmert and for several other really highly intelligent, well-meaning men and women uh, within intercollegiate athletics to not get this, to not understand this, uh, just defies logic to me. We, we know it's happening. Uh, and if you don't get out in front of it, the other states that are involved, which include New York uh, and several other states, by the way, uh, are going to impose this upon you, and you're going to have mayhem uh, in front of you. So I, I certainly hope that um, in the time between now and these new bills that are about to be signed into law uh, that will affect, obviously, uh, amateurism and, it, and, it, and the name, Im image, and likeness by 2023, that they finally get off of their Easter's and do something about it because it's definitely going to happen. Just like we're going to go to eight teams in the college football playoffs. It's not a question of, of if it's a question of when we are going to go to eight teams. So, you know, athletic directors, 
Uh, and college presidents, uh, you better start scheduling better non-conference games and strength schedule is going to matter down the road. Uh, to not keep up with things and to just sort of be in the dark and say we've got a task force and you don't do anything in that year's time, that's just, um, you know, people are smart enough to realize who's, who's leading and who's following. And right now, uh, the NCAA is clearly a follower on this, and they should be leading. When it comes to the college football playoff in the current format, I know you have chimed in. It's not that you dislike Ohio State and LSU and Oklahoma and Alabama and Clemson getting the love that they are getting. And fortunately, we have some head-to-head matchups to look forward to, LSU at Alabama, Ohio State at Penn State. So uh, we'll see some of this kind of decided on the field type stuff. Uh, Do you think it is the number four that has contributed to an environment where, as you've been talking and tweeting about, a lot of other good stories are being left out for the most part because the bigger brand names are getting almost all the attention? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt. Uh, the branding of who's in has ruined college football's regular season. And yet these are the same people that tell us, well, we've got to protect college football's regular season and only have four teams in because if we do anything else, we're going to really ruin the property. What? What? Have you seen the non-conference schedule that Clemson plays? Have you seen the non-conference schedule that Alabama plays? (laughs) Come on. Uh, The biggest myth in college football and, and the biggest myth in sports is that college football's regular season is the best in all of sports. That, that's sim- simply not true. Uh, not with these horrible games that are being played and teams get away with it, as long as they're brand names. You know, Alabama's not going to fall precipitously, even if they lose to LSU. They'll drop three or four spots. And, of course, they'll get to play the Iron Bowl a few weeks later, win that game, and boom, they're back in, even though they lose the game. I mean, this looks like an absolute... Country club mentality, invitation only, Sunbelt regional sport. And it's, and it's not captivating uh, the geography of our country in a manner that is in keeping with the overall popularity of the sport in terms of households viewing college football. Regular season college football is the second highest rated sports. Only the NFL does better in terms of national ratings through the course of a regular season. But the postseason numbers don't add up. And if you're watching mainstream media, that includes the company I work for is FS1 during the week, and you're watching, well, today, first day of the NBA, 10 times the coverage of the opening games within the NBA that you would see on college football. And this schedule that's starting today doesn't end until June the 23rd. Where are we on the college football calendar how much conversation is there on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU? Hardly any. And virtually not on FS1 as well. So clearly there's not enough drama with the regular season we have now. Why? Because we all know who's in. Who's in? It won't matter what Baylor does or what Minnesota does or what these other teams that are trying to do to make their way in. Even if Wisconsin were to beat Ohio State or Penn State were able to uh, beat Ohio State. Won't matter. We're going to get the same team. We're going to get Clemson, Alabama. You know, well, we, we could even get possibly uh, LSU if they lost to Alabama. And, and then, of course, we, after that, can look to Oklahoma uh, winning the Big 12. We know who these teams are going to be, and I can tell you, and I have told you, I think in June and July, uh, what we're going to be looking at. 
And that is not the narrative that college football has presented us. I think you would agree. Back in the summer, the narrative on college football was it's Clemson, Alabama, and then everybody else. Correct? Yeah. That was the that was the narrative. Well, after watching the first half of the season, would you not agree that there are somewhere between eight to ten teams that could lay claim to being worthy of the college football playoff? Yeah. All right, but are we hearing about all eight to ten teams? No. 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 Not even close. Not even close. Baylor and Minnesota might as well be in witness protection. I mean, they can't get a sniff of national attention. Now, think about where Baylor was three years ago when the scandal was out there and how we couldn't stop talking about Baylor. Well, how about the job Matt Rule has done? Here's a fast-talking guy that comes down from Temple. Everybody's wondering, why in the hell would he take this job? And and he gets it. I just saw him last week. His defense is ranked 18th in the country in defense uh, scoring defense. So he belies the stereotype that they don't play defense in the Big 12. He's got a quarterback that's one of the most efficient in the country in Charlie Brewer. He's got unbelievable speed merchants on e- either side, Bleaks and, uh, and Dante Mims. These are, these are incredible, Denzel Mims. These are big-time players that are putting on jock straps just like the guys at Alabama, LSU, and Clemson. They can't get a sniff. His name because is everybody knows they're not. Who's him? His name is Tim Brando. He loves this stuff and we love his passion. We are back after this with final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch. Next. The great difference between sport and capital E Entertainment and capital S Sport is that we don't know the outcome. And that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique. We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote, you know, Aristotle or Confucius. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch come. Thanks to NASCAR superstar Kyle Busch for dropping by today. The Hall of Famer Bob Ryan, Tim Brando of Fox Sports. Always a lot of fun as well. TV picks tonight led by, of course, night number one of the NBA's regular season. Pelicans at Raptors on TNT, but no Zion Williamson. Lakers at Clippers, if you can stay up late enough for that one. They were the two top vote-getters in our Pick 5 NBA contest here on opening day of that season. Nationals, Astros, they begin the fall classic, 8 o'clock. Fox Sports has the call for that. Max Scherzer against Garrett Cole in a great pitching matchup. Enjoy the games. We hope to see you tomorrow on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.